Welcome to The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. Together, we will journey through self-discovery and fulfillment in life. Here's your host, Jan Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Good Good Life. I am your host, Jan Jones, and today... Oh my goodness, we have an incredible treat, and I cannot wait for you to hear from my guest. We are going to be talking about going from fractured to standing firm in the freedom that forgiveness can give us. Um, Before I introduce our amazing guest today, though, because I am just overflowing with excitement and gratitude that he would take the time to be with us, you know I got to ask, are you all awake, alert, alive, enthusiastic? Because if you are not there yet today, you are going to want to be. So go ahead, take a deep breath calm the chaos and open your heart because I feel very strongly that you are going to be moved and you are going to be inspired today. We are talking about a topic that is a little heavy, right? Forgiveness. And when you hear Dr. Smith's story, you are going to truly wonder how can you walk through the pain of forgiveness the way that he and his wife did, but you are also going to be inspired and figure out ways that you can do the same in your life so that you have that freedom and you're not holding on to bitterness or resentment. So I want to give you a little glimpse into who our guest is today. We have got Smith and Jones. We have got Dr. Robert Smith Jr. He is an esteemed member of the faculty at Beeson Divinity School at Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama. He holds the Charles T. Carter Baptist Chair of Divinity at Beeson Divinity School, and he teaches courses on Christian preaching and other electives at Beeson. Dr. Smith travels the world teaching and preaching. He has spoken at more than 135 universities, colleges, and seminaries in the United States, Great Britain, Middle East, Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and the Caribbean. He has taught congregations in several countries, including Greece, Turkey, Rome, the Holy Land, and Switzerland. Wow, his travel is quite amazing. Dr. Smith has served as contributing editor and co-editor of multiple books, as well as he has authored multiple books, including the one that we are going to focus on today. It is called The Oasis of God from Morning to Morning. And I believe he's got another book that might be coming out this year in 2023. The accolades and awards that Dr. Smith has won are so vast that it could take up all our time. So I'm not going to go into all of those details, but trust me, it is a lot of recognitions and awards that he has received. He and his wife, Dr. Wanda Taylor-Smith, Ph.D., are the parents of 
four adult children, one of which is already in heaven. So Dr. Smith, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the privilege, my dear sister. I love it. He is my brother in Christ, and uh, I'm so excited that you're here. So after all of that introduction, I would really love for you to start us off by telling our listeners the story of, and this is how you put it, the story of when you became a member of the Fraternity of the Fractured Fellowship. Can you tell us that story and and how you became that member? And it's all centered around losing your son. Well, it's um, it's an ongoing story because it's an ongoing story of how God continues to give grace. Um, it is He giveth more grace. It is. By grace, I'm daily constrained to be drawn to him. October the 30th, 2010, I and my wife were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It was a Saturday. I had preached, I had taught at a conference. My wife and I, after the conference, uh, ate dinner that evening, went to our hotel, relaxed, and turned in for the night. The phone rang after 12 o'clock. Of course, when you get a call after 12 o'clock, it's generally not uh, a call that's light-hearted. Uh, it's not one uh, where someone wants to just joke with you. I'm always um, hesitating to answer the phone when that happens. but. My wife answered it, and it seemed like it was an eternity before she gave me the phone. She gave me the phone. It was my uh, second uh, son, Marcus, who had uh, just talked to his mother for a long time. She gave me the phone. He said, it's it's Tony, Daddy. He's been shot while working at his uh, restaurant in Cincinnati, Ohio, where we lived. Well, he says, I'm going over to the restaurant uh, to see how things are. Of course, he said it with um, a great deal of fear and trepidation. He called me there after about a half an hour and said, it is him. They have just put his body in a body bag and they have taken him to the coroner's office. Uh, of course, my wife and I was, were devastated. I had gone to the bathroom before I got the call from Mark and turned my face to the wall just like Hezekiah did and asked God to save his life, spare him. And God did not uh, took him rather than to leave him. And um, since that time, dear Sister Jan, it's been a journey. It's a fractured fellowship in which there is no really fracture at all. Uh, where He's absent from the body, but he's present with the Lord, with the Lord of his 
eternity and the Lord of my life. And there will be a reunion that will take place because there is no fracture in the body uh, because of time. For God is not in time. Time is in God. So there's no interruption when it comes uh, to the continuity of our fellowship with him. We've been on a journey. We still are on a journey. And when people ask me now, it's been 13 years. Have you come to closure on this matter of your son uh, dying as a result of a, uh, a shot to the heart? Uh, the attempted robbery uh, of a store. Store was robbed, but no money was taken. And uh, the young men, three of them just left. And the fourth one out of frustration of not uh, being able to unjam the uh, safe and the cash register, uh, shot him out of that kind of frustration. But I tell people that when it comes to Closure. Closure is for bank accounts. It is not for love accounts. When you love someone, you miss them. I know he's in the bosom of the father, but I want him to be by my side. So I struggle with that, and yet I stand on tiptoe anticipation in expectation of the reunion one day. So it's 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 a journey in which I'm on my way, but I never arrive. There is no termination. There is a continuous, continuous dependence upon the God who understands loss. For his son was not taken, but his son was given. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He understands loss, but his loss resulted in eternal gain for me and for all who will believe. Yes. I love how you put that time is not in, uh, our, God is not in time. Time is God. Because we, in our minds here on this earth, you know, we, we, we think in terms of time. And when we are missing someone, that time seems to maybe drag on or we want things faster or, you know, we want it in our timing when we're praying for things for, from God. And um, it makes me think of something that that I have really tried to have this paradigm of sometimes God is not doing something to us. He's doing something in us. Yes. When we are experiencing these unpleasant things, I wanted to ask you this question because, you know, oftentimes people, um, they, when they experience severe loss or if they are watching a loved one suffer for a long period of time, and then they may lose them after long suffering. And, you know, we talk about God's plan and God's will so much, and we want to stay in his will. But what do you say to people if they question that? Like, how could this have been God's plan or God's will for your son to have been shot and killed? And other people question that too. Uh, how could this be God's plan? What 
What are your thoughts on that when people may ask that? Well, we are humans. And the fact that God gives us the permission as clay to ask the potter anything is an act of grace. Hmm. I think it is perfectly acceptable and right to ask God questions. I think, however, we move into a dangerous position when we question the character of God, Hmm. God being faithful, God being holy, God being good. If I'm asking a question for comprehension, for understanding, for clarity, mm, one thing, but to say to God, you're not the God that you said you were. Mm -hmm. You are no longer good because of this. You're no longer holy because of this. You're no longer a God of compassion because of this. Moves into um, forbidden territory for the believer. Even though, even though God understands us that we are, are capable of moving into that territory, it, it is um, a, a fact that because God is faithful, faithful, he allows us to come to him with anything because God is not fragile. He can take it. He can take it like any parent. No parent wants to say to a child, I mean, really a real parent, there's some things you can't talk to me about. And even if the attitude is not necessarily right, parents need to be faithful and not fragile to the point that they can't take disappointments and so forth, though it may hurt. So I think it's wonderful that we have a God who says to us, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Cast your cares upon me, because I care for you. So it's all right to go to God with your woundedness. He understands wounds. By his wounds are we healed. And to go to God with a broken heart, and to go to God with disappointment. Because God is faithful. God is not fragile. I encourage people to go on and say it, whatever it is, to God. If you don't say it, he already knew, Psalm 139, verse 2. He knows our thoughts are far off. That means he knows your thought while it's on the way to you. He abducts. He intercepts. He kidnaps, if you will, your thought before you even get it. So if your thought precedes your words, you just as well as say what he already knows before you say it. And he can take it because he is not fragile. He is faithful. Get it off your mind. Get it off of your heart. And if there needs to be a correction, like Job, hear him now. 
Job comes to God and all through the book of Job, chapters, particularly two, uh, chapter three to chapter 37. Now, Job is talking in chapter one to God. He's talking to God in chapter two. He's lost all 10 of his kids at one time. He's lost his health. He's lost his wealth. His friends have become, as he calls it, miserable comforters. And then his wife gets weak and tells him to curse God and die. Hmm. And Job talks in chapter one to God. He talks to God in chapter two. And God is talking in chapter one and chapter two. But in chapters three to 37, God does not say anything. Job has to wait 35 chapters from chapter 3 to chapter 37 before he hears anything from God. And then when God speaks, he speaks out of a whirlwind, which means if that's the case, Job has to get close enough to hear what God is saying. It's a whirlwind in the background. And God talks to Job in chapter 38, 39, 40, 41. Four straight chapters. And Job can't answer any of the questions. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? You know so my way. He flunks the test. And then in chapter 42, God says to Job, in my way of paraphrasing it, and, and, and you had something you said you wanted to say? Job says, I heard of you with my ear, but now I see you face to face. And I didn't know what I was talking about. Now, here's his response. And I repent in sackcloth and ashes. And God says to Job in the last chapter, chapter 42, what he said to, about Job in chapter one. My servant Job, that has not changed. All of the complaining, all of the questioning, all of the frustration. He is still God's servant. And when we come to God with our pain and our frustrations and our questions, God does not disown us. We are still his servants. And Job is restored in terms of his joy and in terms of what he sees as being a, a person blessed with uh, a purpose to be lived out of. Now, of course, his story ends maybe differently than some, some of ours. His livestock, his riches is restored. He's rich again. He has beautiful daughters, children again, and uh, lives to see uh, grandkids and so forth. That may not happen with some, but we can never, ever say, this is the great thing, Sorry for being so verbose and wordy. No, I love it. I love it. This is I, this is exactly what um, I wanted our listeners to see and hear. I have heard you preach before, and it is just stirring to my soul um, to hear your words and your wisdom. But I think that 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 message of what you just said. When people do go and they question and they ask why God and and they're they're even questioning how he could let this happen. 
the reminder that it is okay to get these things out to God because he is not fragile. He is faithful. And I I love that reminder to, to me and everyone and the weight the waiting, the example of Job, like you walked us through. I mean, again, it goes back to that timing. And we want certain things in a certain amount of time. And uh, we we want people back in our lives when we lose them. And so I think the bottom message is that God is not fragile and he is faithful and he can take our questions and sometimes our doubt. Right. And all of the things that we feel. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, that makes me think of one of your chapters in your book. And you talk about living in the in-betweenness of tragedy and loss. And I, I think it's a beautiful way that you put that, the in-betweenness of tragedy and loss. And and I want to talk a little more about this and how you work through grief regularly still. We we don't lose that grief. Um, and, And we'll take a break in just a little while. And then I want to get into that forgiveness. But talk to our listeners and to me about what that means and what you wrote about living in the in-betweenness of tragedy and loss. Well, what I'm trying to say is there is an in-betweenness. There is a parenthesis. Um, I would even say there is a semicolon, which indicates not termination, but continuation. Mm-hmm. That, that, that grammatical uh, mark has to do with what's on the other side of the semicolon. It's not a period, not termination. But it's a period underneath it is a comma. And there's space between the period and the comma, just enough space. There's that in-betweenness. Um, termination above as far as death, which we see it. And then the comma uh, is that of a pause. So you have that space in between the period and the comma to form the semicolon. It's in that space. It's sacred space. That's where God is working and moving. Because what it says is, yes, before the semicolon, tragedy. But after the semicolon, triumph. Not triumph without trouble. No. But just like in scripture. Genesis 50 and 20. And... Um, Joseph's brothers, after the death of their daddy, Jacob, they're afraid that Joseph, who is now the vice regent, or if you will, the vice president of Egypt, they're afraid that Joseph is uh, going to execute his personal vendetta against them for selling him into slavery. Hmm. This is what he says to his brothers. You meant it unto me for evil. Now that's before the that's that's before the semicolon. Evil. Sell your brother into slavery, where Mrs. Potiphar puts a phony molestation charge against him, and Potiphar is the chief executioner. 
that's it's over for Joseph. And he lands up in prison. And he's forgotten in prison. And God enables him to interpret the Pharaoh's dream. And the famine comes. If the famine comes, and it did, then Joseph's brothers would not have been able to survive unless this plan of Joseph is carried out in Egypt. Save the grain, part of the grain, during the bumper crop. This not only saved the nation of, of Egypt, but it saved Joseph's brothers who came down to get grain. If they had died, namely if Judah had died, his family, then that would have closed up the redemptive pipe or the redemptive channel for Jesus to come. It's out of Judah. Genesis 49 and 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the lawgiver between his feet until Shiloh comes. And then what Joseph is saying before, the semicolon, you've been in me for evil, but you got to give it enough time in that space. On the other side of the semicolon, but God meant it to me for good to save much people alive. Hmm. Evil, good. Hmm. Psalm 39, verse 14. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, afflictions before the semicolon. But the Lord hath delivered them from them all, the other part of the semicolon. John 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have tribulation. Hmm. Uh, negative. In front of the semicolon, but on the other side of the semicolon. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And just one more. Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping, mourning, may endure for a night. That's before the semicolon. But joy comes in the morning. That's on the other side. If if we will let God, I, I, I think I say I say this to myself, I say it to others. Um it's not getting out of trouble, ultimately, that counts. It's what you get out of trouble. It's not just getting out. We want to get out of trouble. Sure. Mm -hmm. We want everything to be all right. But it's what you get out of trouble. What is God trying to teach you about the trouble that you've been in, in that sacred space, the in-betweenness, where the semicolon points backwards to the negative? but points forward to the positive. And in that sacred space, you and God are there and you are experiencing transformation. No, it doesn't feel good, but you learn how to worship. That's what Job did after he lost his 10 children. The Bible said, he said to God, naked came I to the world, naked shall I return. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he worshiped God. Something special, something inexplicable takes place in that in-betweenness of what we consider the sacred space of the eternal. Mm, that is so beautiful. And again, it, it goes back to that time and how you describe that semicolon is a sacred space so that we don't lose ourselves before the colon, 
I mean, the semicolon, we, we live through these tragedies, these losses, you know, what's meant for evil sometimes by other people. And we allow ourselves that time in that space to surrender, to look up to the heavens and to worship again and redeem that joy within us so that we're on the other side of that semicolon from tragedy to triumph. I think this is a wonderful place to stop and just take a short break, but no one go away because when we come back with Dr. Smith, we are going to be talking about his journey in that space to forgiveness of the murderer of his son, Tony. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back in just a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to ignite your passion and purpose for life? Make sure you join Jan Jones each week for the Good Good Life podcast. Each week, Jan will share her expertise and insights into personal development as well as spiritual growth discoveries. From the challenges in the valleys to the victories on the mountaintops, Jan has persevered through all of them with unwavering faith and joy. Life is full of possibilities, and Jan wants to walk with you as you discover those possibilities and unleash your full potential. Rekindle the spark inside of you and rejoice in the good, good life with Jan Jones, where we will all love living and live loving. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. If you have a question or want to share your story with Jan or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888 888- Three four six nine one four one. Now back to the show with Jan. 
Welcome back, everyone. We have the great privilege and honor of having Dr. Robert Smith Jr. with us today. And we were just talking about living in this in-betweenness of tragedy and loss that moves into triumph. And um, Dr. Smith has got an amazing story that he wants to share. Um, So go right ahead, Dr. Smith. Let's continue this conversation. Thank you, my dear sister. You know, we were kind of uh, talking about this a little during the break, but I had a preacher friend of mine, or I have a preacher friend of mine, a pastor, who had prepared a sermon and was going to go to the sanctuary to deliver it. His office was actually above the sanctuary, so he had to come downstairs and then enter enter into the sanctuary. The stairs uh, were concrete stairs, steps. And he fell and broke his leg in several places on his way to the pulpit. Of course, that's, uh, that seems uh, very um, unfortunate. He was a pastor going to deliver the word of God to help people to walk in the way of the Lord. And he falls and breaks his leg and is going to be out of the pulpit for a while. However, when they operated on his leg to restore it, to repair it, uh, the orthopedic surgeon discovered that there was cancer in his leg. Mm. And they were able to operate uh, and not only save his leg, but save his life. He didn't see it at that time, but in the in-betweenness, that sacred space, the semicolon, um, he discovered that God was up to something. And it was not termination, it was continuation. And um, I think there are times, once again, that we see things through the lens of time uh, rather than to see things as God sees them. God knows the end before the beginning begins, Isaiah 46 and 10. That's what it says, uh, that God uh, knows the end before the beginning. That means God knows the epilogue before there's a prologue. And God knows the conclusion before there is an introduction. That's why Paul could say, and I'll say this quickly, why Paul could say in Romans 8, 28, for we know, got to know this, not we speculate, not we guess, for we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, that we might be conformed to the image of his dear son. We know that. Now, Paul wrote that to the Roman church before he got to Rome. Is one thing to write it before you get there. But then he experienced it when he got there because at Rome, he's going to be killed. He experienced what he had written. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing for me to preach something and then experience it. That's different. And to sing. I don't know if you've ever sung a song and you sung it and it, 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 you know, it went from the top of your head uh, to your neck. Now it got to your heart, the heart, the place of, of, of um, experience, of feeling. 
But then later on, when you experienced enough of life, your experience caught up with the meaning of that song. The song didn't change. The lyrics didn't change. But you changed. And now it's a song that you can't sing without the sprinkler system of your eyes being turned on and tears fall down. Things like marvelous, great. Well, I'll tell you what, the song Long My Imprisoned Spirit Lay, Fast Bound by Sin in Nature's Night. That I diffused a crimson ray. I woke the dungeon flame with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, this is what gets me, should die for me? I can never sing that song until I, without uh, experiencing the impact of it, that God loved me so much Mm. that he died in the person of his son for me. Sometimes your experience has to catch up with the text. Mm. That is so true. Sometimes your experience has to catch up with the test. You know, your your faithfulness to God and your joy and your your commitment and obedience to go where God calls you is truly inspiring considering all of the things that you have lived through and I want um I want to walk through a little bit about your journey to forgiving and not just forgiving the young man that murdered Tony, but ministering to him, really. Can you share that with our listeners and just how did that even come about? How long did it take? And, and what was your first step uh, in, in contacting this, this man that murdered your son? Well, that's um, it's, it's really a God thing. My wife, Wanda, Wanda and I were over in Nairobi, Kenya, and we'd go on to Tanzania. And God, um, because the young man who murdered Tony was 17 at that time. Tony was 34. So he's twice as old. Um, uh, Of course, the burden was there. This This was in June of 2011. Tony was murdered October the 30th of 2010. We're over there ministering. She's teaching, I'm teaching. We're sharing together with the people. And God asked me a question. And it was not uh, an audible voice, but there was a voice that I heard uh, through the earphones of my ears, spiritual ears. Um, And God asked me this. Do you believe in forgiveness? Yes. Have you preached it? Yes. Can you exegete it? Interpret it? Yes. Can you define it? Yes. Then God told me to live it out. I want you to forgive this young man and not only forgive him, since that's what I've been working on you about. But I want you to write him and tell him that you've forgiven him and that you love him. I tell people forgiveness is not difficult. 
It's just impossible without God. Mm. Forgiveness is not difficult. It's just impossible without God. It's not. I'm talking about biblical forgiveness. Biblical forgiveness is not some some a human manufactured a dynamic, something that you can reach deep within yourself and uh, pull out the wherewithal to do it. No, the greater the pain, uh, the more the power uh, you must have, the more power you must have uh, from God to accomplish it. And so uh, I will, we uh, came home, I wrote the young man. He didn't answer for many, many, many months, almost a year. When he did answer, he said in his letter, I didn't answer your letters all of the, for all of this time because I did not know if you were trying to play a trick on me. I'm in prison, and someone who might know your son, know you, would uh, attack me, hurt me, try to kill me as a uh, way of um, paying, paying me back for what I've done. I didn't know if you were the real Mr. Smith. I didn't know. But you kept writing me and kept telling me that you loved me and that you were praying for me and you'd forgiven me. Mm. I thought I would take a chance, he said. And we started writing each other. And he always asked, why do you keep writing me, Mr. Smith? I should be writing you. You keep writing me. And why would you tell me you love me when my own father, I've never heard those words come out of his mouth. Why would you love me? And I told him, number one, I forgive you because God has forgiven me. Number two, I love you because God has shown his love for me in that while I was a sinner, Christ died for the ungodly. And so we started writing each other back and forth. You know, him sending me the picture of his pastor and the fact that he had been in the church. And that night, um, he was filled with angel dust and some other um, um, drug out of his mind. Um, and, and we, I was going up to see him. I had already received my papers. I was getting ready to send them in for visit, visitation rights. And he had a setback in terms of his behavior and uh, did something. I, I've never found out what it was, but it revoked and took away, canceled, if you will, um, my visitation right, uh, our privilege, rather, to see him. I don't know exactly right now. That means right now he is um, 30 years old. And I think he's gotten married since. Uh, that's He called me. We talked over the phone. He's written me and informed me about that. But um, I uh, I really do, Sister Jan. We, there's a scholarship. I only bring this up for this purpose. There's a scholarship at Beast of the Vidity School, and it's named after Tony, the Antonio Marie Smith Scholarship. Well, a student of that is um, not able to go to seminary, um, financially speaking. This young man, in the course of our writing, uh, he said that I, I hope that one day when I get out of this place, that I'll be able to go to a school like yours. Mm. I thought to myself, you know, God's able. Wouldn't it be something if this young man um, finished his 
uh, bachelor's, well, started and associate finished his bachelor's degree and then came to Beast of the Divinity School on a scholarship named after the one he murdered. Because that's what redemption does. That's what grace does. That's why Nate Saint, I think is his grandson, we're talking about Jim Elliott, the Ecuador uh, experience, um, that Nate Saint could stand on the same stage, not Nate Saint, but Nate Saint's grandson could stand on the same stage uh, with Nate Saint's murder. I think this was the Amsterdam Billy Graham 2000 uh, crusade there. But it's something to see the murderer of his grandfather stand next to the grandson. Hmm. They're both Christians. They're both saved. Mm-hmm. That's what God does. Mm-hmm. God can put uh, the oppressed and the oppressor together and uh, wrap them in love. And I would one day, uh, I would just love if this young man is turned around and for the Lord, because no one uh, is beyond salvation. He saves from the uttermost to the guttermost. He saves murderers like Moses and David and even Paul who held the garments of those who stoned Stephen to death. Murderers! He can save this young man and I would love one day to be able to stand next to him and be in ministry. And uh, and if not then, maybe in heaven. I hope that this young man will experience the redemption of the blood of Jesus and there we can worship together around the throne. That is so powerful. And thank you, Dr. Smith, for sharing that that journey and that entire story because, you know, as a preacher, it. It must be even, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying it's more difficult. It's so difficult for us as human beings. But then people, you're you're under a lot more scrutiny, right? People are wondering, can this man really walk the talk of scriptural forgiveness of someone that took his son and you you did and you have and you continue. I, I find it there's so many things that just stood out to me while you were sharing that story. One thing that really stood out to me is that the murderer was so young, like you said, he was he was half of Tony's age. Right. But when you were writing him and you were telling him that you love him, that God loves him, that you you forgive him. He did not believe any of that for the longest time because he had never heard those words from his own earthly father that he was loved. And I think that's really important for our listeners to hear and to know. And 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 me too, we need to tell people that they are loved and that we love them. And we know there are so many different forms of love. So that really stood out. But Something that just really penetrated my heart while you were sharing that is you have no bitterness towards him. Your your view of this young man is nothing but hope and salvation. And I want 
to offer this to him. I want God to use me in his life. And that is amazing. And I think that would be really difficult to get to that place. Um, and I I just want our listeners to know, you mentioned it early, are we going to live in a place where we know God is moving, God is working, and you know, get out of the in-betweenness, but hold that sacred to us um, and our relationship to God. Because this kind of suffering, that kind of loss, it is hard to think of, I wish something would happen to that person that would make them feel this kind of pain. You know, we get, we can get a little bitter. We can get vengeful sometimes. Um, so how did your, and, and this is, this is a question I don't know. Has your entire family, your other children and your wife, have they come to this place too? Even though I know it's been many years now, but it never goes away. Have they, have they walked through to their forgiveness with you? And, and were they looking to you to help them navigate that? That's a great question. We're all in different places. I know that, um, Jan. It's it's like um, the children. It's the most painful thing for them to talk about. So on October the thirtieth, his death day. September the 29th, his birthday. It, we may just call each other and say, you know, "I love you." That's it. Don't say anything. Uh, th- I, I, I could talk about it, but our other two sons and our daughter, our other, other son and daughter, two sons and daughter, I'm sorry. Uh, it's difficult for them to talk about. It. And I, I wait. Um, I give them what they can handle. If they want to um, um, share, fine. And we do talk about it at times. Um, my wife is very... Um, kind of a very um, intuitive person and um, a contemplative person. And we don't talk a lot about it, uh, but can. I'm at a place, my mother who's going to be with the Lord now. She died when she was 96 years old, actually. And um, uh, she shared something with me I, years ago. I never thought much about it until this happened. When she was uh, 15 years of age, uh, she broke her leg. Uh, she's born in 1923, so that was 1938. And they had to reset it and everything else. I used to ask her. She, she would say, um, little Robert, I'm Robert Jr. My dad is Robert Sr., she said, it's going it's to rain today. I was going, whatever. Now, you know, mama didn't finish high school. I didn't know where she learned about um, meteorology. Uh, I, I could trust her meteorological report more than I could the local meteorologist. <laughs> I didn't she, you know that. And I come to find out that that bone that she broke and at, at that time, she was about, what was Bama? Maybe almost 80? So you talk about a broken bone. 
for 65 years, she said the bone was fixed, but at times the bone throbbed. Mm -hmm. She could feel it. And because of the throb, she could tell you what today was going to be like. Wow. This experience for me is fixed. The person is forgiven. Yeah. I do love the person. It's not something I've done. It's a miracle what God is doing. I'm no hero. This is what God has worked in me. I don't have a one, two, three step process. If you do this, 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 then oh no. But I can tell you this, the bone is fixed and my heart is fixed. But I still feel the throb. It still throbs. It still aches. It's fixed. Yeah. But it aches. And like Jacob, who wrestled with the angel, and he wanted transformation, which he got. He got his name changed from supplanter, deceiver, wrestler, Jacob, yeah. to Israel, this idea of God fights. He got transformation, but he didn't get it without dislocation. Yeah. His hip was out of joint for the rest of his life because mm -hmm. of his wrestling. We want transformation. We want everything to be fixed. But we don't want dislocation. Yeah. You've got to have dislocation. If you get transformation, it's going to cost something. And uh, that, that is... is just a reminder that uh, we need to lean on God. Yes. I, I, and thank you. I, I love that. And and unfortunately, we're about to wrap up. I could just go on and on with you, Dr. Smith. But I, I love that message that we go from fractured to fixed with God's help, but we feel the ache. We oh, feel yeah. the ache. But yeah. the, the, the fixing comes from that forgiveness. Right. As you said, it, right. your heart is fixed. And I just have to say thank you. Thank you for opening that amazing fixed heart of God that you have to our listeners and to me. It was so valuable. It was so important. And I just want to thank you. And I want to thank our listeners. Thank you for joining us today. Um, please just remember that God is strong enough to take everything that we ask him. And he is the one that will fix us while we are um, suffering sometimes. And we have freedom in that forgiveness. So I hope you enjoy this. Go out, have this good, good life where you can love living and live loving. I cannot wait to be with you all next week. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. We hope today was meaningful for your personal journey. We'll be back next week. Until then, continue to love living and live loving.